0: On this annual holiday weekend recognizing the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr.
1: Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado.
0: The state attorney general, along with the Anti-Defamation League, the Colorado Coalition Against Hate and other organizations have founded a partnership. Their goal is to support the increase of reporting hate crimes and the training of law enforcement to more effectively manage and prosecute hate crime cases. Hate in America is something Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was very well acquainted with.
1: Those of us who have been trampled over, those of us who have been kicked about, that is the danger that we will become bitter. But if we will become bitter and indulge in hate campaigns, The the new order which is emerging will be nothing but a duplication of the old order. We must meet hate with love. We must meet physical force with soul force.
0: Actions of hate in Colorado collectively have increased by 16% in 2018, according to the latest FBI statistics. Such a heightened increase prompted the state attorney general with the new coalition to conduct a recent training for 30 prosecutors from across the state. On this edition, we learned the additional goals and direction being taken by this new partnership from Scott Levin, the executive director of the Anti-Defamation League, and the Colorado State Attorney General, Phil Weiser.
2: My commitment to addressing hate crimes and issues around threats of racism, anti-Semitism, it goes pretty deep because I I'm the child of a Holocaust survivor. My mom was actually born in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany. And the United States of America welcomed my grandparents as immigrants, as refugees from religious persecution. So my commitment to equal rights, to civil rights, to standing mm-hmm. up against hate, it it kind of goes all the way back to how I was raised. And it's why I became a lawyer and why I've been so committed to civil rights. So running for attorney general and all the work I've done has always had this at its core. So when I became Attorney General, yeah, this was right on my agenda, something I really wanted to address.
0: And one of the first people you reached out to was uh, uh, Scott Levin of the
3: ADL. Is
0: this something you've always thought about doing? And maybe when the Attorney General came in the office and said, you know, hey, Scott, I got this idea.
3: We've been about fighting hate for over 100 years. So it was really a natural movement for us to be involved with this. And we were so glad to be able to partner with the Attorney General on this, I think we've seen a very large increase in hate crimes and hate incidents across the board racially based on sexual identity, sexual orientation, and certainly based on religion. And so the ability to be able to highlight this, help train law enforcement officers, bring attention to the public to it, and be able to help the targets of hate in this way was something that we very much wanted to partner with the Attorney General on.
0: So when you reached out to other organizations to be a part of it, then they just kind of jumped on board like, yes, we need to do this. Let me give
2: Scott a lot of credit because he and the ADL did that heavy lifting. They've always been about building relationships and encouraging one response to hate that we really need, which is to be your best authentic self. We can't see it because it's radio, but Scott is wearing a yarmulke, a skull cap that represents Jewish observance as a testament to his commitment to saying, I'm Jewish and I'm proud of that. And when I ran in my campaign, I said, I am Jewish, I'm the child of the Holocaust survivor, it's part of who I am. Part of what we need to do in this moment is to encourage and welcome whatever your background is, who you love, who you worship or don't worship, or what you look like, it can't be held against you. It shouldn't become a source of hating. And that's something that Again, I'm inspired by Scott's leadership. We're so lucky to have him here in Colorado. Uh, That's
3: nice of you to say. I I think, Adam, we may have talked about this before, but I think following the really difficult year of 2016, during that campaign when so much divisive language was starting to come out, we noticed as an advocacy group, not only for us at the Anti-Defamation League or ADL, but for other advocacy groups that represented people of color, people of Uh, LGBTQ people from different places around the world and immigrants, that everyone was feeling a lot of stress at the time. And so we actually pulled a group together that we now call the Colorado Coalition Against Hate. And it's over 18 different advocacy groups that come together and talk about these issues of hate crimes and hateful incidents. So the ability then to partner with Um, Phil Weiser's leadership as the attorney general was just such a natural for us to do and something that really helped elevate this issue for the entire community.
0: What's the meaning for the movement for the public at large? A lot of times we read about things that are going on, but uh, you gentlemen being here put a real emphasis to it then. It's it's one of those things. What do you really want the public to know about it or feel or to be able to participate with it? Let me make a few points, and
2: I'll build off the one I said before, which is – Whatever your background is, please don't feel like you need to hide who you are. We in Colorado can stand for inclusion, for celebrating diversity. And that's something that everyone can and should play a part in. Number two, when you see things that are hateful, whether or not it rises the level of crime or not, you can and should say something. It takes courage in that moment to say, wait a minute, making fun of someone because they're transgender, that's wrong. Or making fun of someone because they came from another country. That's wrong. We're all in this together. Last year when we had the inauguration, yeah. um, Reverend Peters had this great quote, which is, we all came on different ships, but we're in the same boat now. Yeah, And that is true. We're all in this together. We've got to have responsibility for each other. And there's a piece of this, obviously, as a law enforcement connection. We're going to be working hard on this, which is to help our law enforcement be more equipped To address when they get reports, whether it's, again, rising level of crime or not. We want people to report it. And we want then communities to feel empowered to do something. This happened, and and I think ADL was involved in this in in Montana, where there were episodes of hate, and people all stood up together. They didn't feel powerless. They felt empowered to make a statement about supporting groups who might be under some level of hating or even threats.
3: I, I think just to build on that, I think you have to recognize, as has been said recently, anti-Semitism isn't the fault of the Jews any more than racism is the fault of people of color. It really takes an entire community coming together to, say, to change that narrative, to provide support to the targets of racism, anti-Semitism, homophobia, and the rest. And I, I also don't think that we can understate the importance of having the chief law enforcement officer of the state of Colorado, embrace this issue and say that it's important. I think that leadership is very helpful because all of us are dependent upon law enforcement and prosecutors and the like to be able to help us in our times of need.
0: Now, you can have some Americans that will say, well, I'm not breaking the law. I'm just exercising my First Amendment right of free speech. Where does the line cross? Where do, where, where do they need to know? What is free speech and what is a hate crime?
2: Well, first I want to make an important distinction between pure speech and conduct that reflects what I'll call racial animus. It doesn't have to be only racial, obviously. It could be religious animus. It could be based on your gender identity. But animus that motivates conduct, that's where the crime comes in. If you burn a cross on someone's yard, that's not speech. Right. That's hateful conduct where the hate comes through the conduct. If you attack somebody and you say, you dirty Jew, at that point, it's a racially or religiously based crime. And sometimes if someone is Nazis marking in Skokie, Illinois, yeah, that's awful uh, in terms of what they might be saying. But if there's no conduct that hurts others or hurts property, you're right. It's not a crime. And so the short version is – if you can see it's motivated by animus, feel free to report it, and the police will then be prepared to investigate whether it rises the level of hate crime. And occasionally there will be truly only speech, but a lot of times groups that are motivated by hate want to do damage. We, we have a recent episode in the Pueblo Synagogue, and again, ADL does a great job following groups who may say things waiting for them to do something because a lot of times mm-hmm. they are threatening or preparing to do something that, again, demonstrates and is motivated by animus.
3: Yeah, I think the only thing I'd add, because it's terrible to add on a former law professor and dean of the law school, <laughs> our attorney general, but the only thing that I would add is, is uh, our hate crime statute in Colorado really is a bias-motivated crime statute. So you can commit a crime, and it might be vandalism or something else, and you'll be prosecuted for that. But when you are motivated by bias— because it's not just that you wanted to face a wall, but you wanted to face a mosque because you have angst against Islamic Muslim people or a synagogue because you don't like Jewish people. Right. That extra motivation is what it is that makes it a hate crime or a bias-motivated crime. So we've
0: got to have an action that's connected with the expression of that, speech or whatever they're it's doing. It's
3: true. And I think just to pick up on that, Adam, is the fact that We have to remember in America, hate speech is not illegal. In in fact, it's welcomed under the First Amendment, as difficult as it may be to hear. That's not the same in countries around the world. For instance, in Germany, it would be illegal for someone to express or use speech that is anti-Semitic. But in the United States, we've often felt that the way to overcome bad speech is with more good speech. So in and of itself, when someone expresses their thoughts or their opinions, that might be ugly, it might be hateful, but it's not going to be a crime. As uh, the Attorney General said, though, when they act on that in a way that is criminal, then it is going to be prosecuted as such.
0: Is these the kinds of things you had with the training with law enforcement a few weeks ago as to what they should look for? Because I'm not... I had a few classes in the CU Law School that were required. <laughs> you know. But I, I, I guess the first original complaint begins with law enforcement that the attorney general or the uh, district attorneys, city attorney, they follow up on that. So did you frame these things for them so that when they write that complaint out, it will have the proper information
2: there? Let me start because this is important and I want to give again – Scott, credit for working on a couple of different fronts. Yeah. The attorney general's office here in Colorado oversees the Peace Officer Standards and Training Program. We call it POST okay. that gives guidance to police officers. And one area we're working on is how to give police officers guidance about how to investigate and get reports on hate crimes. We're mm-hmm. also going to work together how to encourage the public to come forward and report what they think might be a hate crime. And I again and say don't worry – about this distinction. If you see something that's motivated by hate that could possibly hurt someone, please report it. We worry about underreporting. Isn't we
0: that basically if it makes you feel bad or you, you feel that it's not right, report it because they're not in, in a position to know if it's legally right or not? Well,
2: and this is a, that's a very good way to say it, which is there are a lot of ways that people can be threatened, harassed, stalked. Those can be crimes. Now, mm-hmm. sometimes, depending on circumstances, they may or may not be prosecuted, but don't feel like you are stuck having to just grin and bear whatever uh, painful treatment you're under, you should be able to report to law enforcement, and we'll be working with law enforcement to best handle those sorts of reports. Yeah,
3: I, I would also add to that that um, why law enforcement is such great partners in this area is it's not always just about the enforcement of crimes. As you know, law enforcement, the beat cop or the person driving around in his car right now, is much more than somebody that just writes tickets investigates crime. Um, And it's important for them to know what we call community policing. It's not just about the crimes. It's them being able to help people when there are the kind of disagreements or the kind of attacks that are made that might not even raise to the level of a crime. You know, I think from my perspective, when you're the target of a hateful incident there, um, a message is being sent to you that you're somehow not welcome. So when law enforcement shows up and talks to you about it, hears you, and understands what's going on, it's important for them to send the countervailing message that they actually do care. And it's also important them for if it isn't yet a crime, the vandalism hasn't occurred that's attached with a biased motivation, yeah. sometimes when things happen in a repeated fashion, in a harassing way, they'll be able to take that information and use it at a later time. When they actually can prosecute a crime, is there
0: a, is there a reality check here? Because we have communities that begin that believe the police is not on their time team; they're not on their side. Yeah, you know, and why should they report a hate crime when it may fit their own personal idea of what should happen? Then they're just not saying it.
2: Let me say one thing on that: if you feel that you can't safely talk to law enforcement. I want, again, another shout-out for ADL. They have said, we will take reports, and then we will help figure out how to approach the issue. Um, that is a valuable safeguard. Maybe talk yeah. a little more about yeah. ADL and its, and its, and its we offerings. Did, thank
3: you. The, the Anti-Defamation League has on our website www.adl.org, which is our national site or our local site. You can go to as well. And there's a button people can Click on to report an incident, and we review anonymous button. uh, Well, we'll want they'll they'll put in what their problem is or what their issue is, and we'll reach back out to them and provide support to them. And in appropriate circumstances, we will then help them reach out to law enforcement, especially if they can't do it themselves. And and we have developed over time through the trainings that we do, the connections that we've made with law enforcement, that we have a pretty trusted relationship, and oftentimes we're able to help point them in the right direction of something without putting the target of the hateful uh, uh, incident at risk. Another thing that we're doing a lot of uh, and really focused to be doing more in the future is if we've been training law enforcement, as we have for a long time, on how to recognize and prosecute hate crimes, we have to take this trusted relationship out for a spin. So we're doing that. We're now training law enforcement on managing implicit bias because we don't want nor do they want to see the kind of distrustful kind of relationship that they have, especially with communities of color right now, and they need to manage that implicit bias.
0: So is is, is that one of the sticking point, not a sticking point, but one of the sensitive areas in law enforcement training Is you have to mention they're people. They are people too. Not putting them on trial here on the radio station. So don't don't come after me. But we all have our perspectives and positions, and uh, and you got to bring that up to them how to uh, how to look at an incident that's gone on and keep their own their own feelings, personal feelings out of it.
3: Absolutely, I think you are right. We we're all human beings. We all are fallible, and we all make mistakes that are out there. Um, uh, what we really want to do, though, is, is those people that have those kind of prejudices and stereotypes that prevent them from doing their jobs, we, we want to know that as early as we can. But the good news is so do the police departments. Yeah. So do the prosecutors. So does the attorney general. Everybody is working towards the same end, which is to say that everybody in the state of Colorado should have access to the equal, equal opportunities mm-hmm. before the law. And uh, one way they can do that is is they need to be able to feel comfortable in speaking with law enforcement. And sure. Th-
2: and that is on our agenda too, which is how do we better improve our training awareness around implicit bias. To give people a concrete example, you go to a hospital, you see a man in uh, whatever, one of those scrubs and a woman in those scrubs. You assume the man's a doctor, the woman's a nurse. And that's an implicit bias. Yeah. My wife happens to be a doctor who gets that dynamic all the time. Yeah, I'm sure. And that's something where, again, People have these images and African-Americans often, again, painted as being a criminal is an image that is deeply unfortunate or a Muslim mm-hmm. being painted as a terrorist, deeply unfortunate. But people can't just put that out of their minds. They need to be aware of the risk that they will be subject to such implicit biases, potentially then even acting on them. That's why the process of raising awareness, training, oversight, it's so important. Sure.
0: In Colorado, the recent threats against the Jewish Temple Emmanuel in Pueblo, the man with a rifle arrested outside the Islamic Center in Denver, and the home in the Five Points neighborhood defaced with N-words and derogatory language are real-world examples of these actions taking place in the state. It's all illustrative of the insight Dr. King expressed that would be taking place across the country then and still continuing
1: now. But I'm talking about a golpe. I'm talking about the love of God in the hearts of men. I'm talking about a type of love which will cause you to love the person who does the evil deed while hating the deed that the person does. We've got to love.
0: Are you looking at uh, maybe approaching the legislature to uh, pass, I don't say, a law or resolution or something that would require reporting of these uh, incidents, the stats to the FBI? Because I don't think we have that now. Yeah, we talking about hate crimes, or we Mm -hmm. talk hate crimes. So hate
2: crimes reporting. You happen to go to a a real uh, (laughs) issue near and dear to Scott's heart. There are efforts to do hate crimes reporting, and there are recent statistics from last year. I happen to know Scott's got them right in front of him, so I'll let him talk about that a little bit.
3: Well, thanks. Absolutely. I think you know I'm one of those people that believes that you cannot manage what you don't measure. So it's really, really important not only that people do report hate crimes or uh, suspected hate crimes to law enforcement, but then that law enforcement reports it up. There is a federal act out there where the FBI collects hate crimes information on an annual basis, and we're finding that, unfortunately, there are several law enforcement agencies that don't report up their hate crimes. And it's very hard to believe, but here in Colorado, we have five towns of over 100,000 people who report that either there was no hate crime that occurred in their jurisdiction or they don't report at all. And it may very well be there wasn't a hate crime, but I find it hard to believe that when you have over 100,000 people living there that there would be no hate crimes. And I I feel free to call them out on it. Yeah, feel Um, free. In Colorado in 2018, because these numbers lag a year, they came out at the end of 2019. But in 2018, Lakewood, Thornton, Arvada, Westminster, Pueblo, and Greeley all said that there were no hate crimes in their jurisdictions or they didn't report them at all. So that is a very difficult thing indeed. The problem is is in mandating that it be required yeah. is uh, for the the agencies themselves and that's why we need to work with them both in carrots and sticks. Is is look this is one more unfunded mandate that the federal government, they could argue, has on them that they need to collect the statistics and, and to report them up. So what we need to do, and I think that the attorney general is committed to doing too, is, is we just have to improve the training that they go through and the reporting mechanisms to make it easier for them so they no longer have excuses for not reporting. Let's get that out of the way.
0: And we need a regular cycle of education to the general public. So that they can better manage themselves.
2: That's right. And I actually want to add, I love Scott's point, you can't manage what you can't measure. And then quoting Tom Hanks from the Mr. Rogers movie recently, whatever is mentionable is manageable. So being able to have the conversation, acknowledging this exists and then saying what can we do about it is a critical first step to addressing, unfortunately, something which is on the rise. And I I think that is one of the concerns about the underreporting is we may not even be aware of how much it's rising The number of reports we're seeing, including some fairly high-profile incidents like the planned attack on a Pueblo synagogue, it's got to get us really concerned and increase our vigilance. We
3: are at, uh, first of all, I just want to say uh, thank you, Phil, because um, he and I often trade quotes that we do on Martin Luther King Jr., but now we get to do Mr. Rogers, or at least Tom Hanks. (laughs) We'll get
2: to the King quotes because there are a lot of good ones here too. I like
3: that. But um, yeah, I think that what we have seen is, is over the last few years that hate crimes, as they've been reported, and it's the best information we have, from the FBI. They are at all-time highs. Last year, 2018 stayed about the same where 2017 had been, but it's only after a very dramatic rise. And in those incidences, as you would expect, the largest number of hate crimes have happened um, as being hate crimes against people based on race um, that are there. And then we have ones based upon religion. And unfortunately, in the work of the ADL, what we see is is that the largest percentage of religion-based Hate crimes is against Jewish people. That just hasn't changed.
2: Let me say a couple things on that. And part of what is important around hate, and you hear different um, origins of it, is it jumps the track pretty quickly from hate against Jews to Muslims to African-Americans to immigrants in ways that aren't always um, easy to follow. The shooting in POAR in in California last year at a synagogue – was some, By someone who said – again, it was a synagogue. He said he was motivated by the shooting of the mosque in Christchurch. So it went from hating Muslims to hating Jews mm-hmm. pretty quickly. And that's the point about hate. It can really metastasize and it can become a toxin. that just goes across different categories. And the Martin Luther King quote here is really important, which is darkness will not drive out darkness. Only light can do that, shedding light on these issues. And hate isn't going to crowd out hate. Only love can do that. And that's the call of Dr. King here, which is in the face of rising hate, we have to be our best authentic selves, be proud of who we are, and bring a spirit of real kinship with one another to support each other and to stand
0: for true acceptance. Well, the reason why I keep uh, going back to the public education portion is because we've had so many people who have moved into Colorado from elsewhere, and they may bring a lot of their – habits and express them here thinking everything is the same and it's not or it's going to be responded to the way it was back home, but it's not. And somewhere we have outside of MLK weekend, at least let them know what you were saying needs to be done and how to self-manage themselves better so that those crimes and the incidences that occur can be uh, reduced.
3: Well, as you can tell, I have a lot of respect for the attorney general, but I will tell you The Colorado values don't accept hate. And it's not just uh, Phil Weiser, our governor, our mayors, our leadership, our, our chiefs of police. You know, these are people that have when hateful incidents occur, they've spoken out against it. You know, uh, we see all the time. Is that what it's
0: like? We need leadership to speak out against it regularly and often so the frequency is there so people will hear it and then that also helps.
3: Not just because of the frequency that it does help. It's that we do not want to normalize hate. Right. And if our leaders aren't unequivocally and loudly condemning it when it occurs, then people might think that it's not such a bad thing to do. And so for us, I know, for instance, uh, we were talking before we went on air up at the University of Colorado. There are hateful incidents that occur of all nature. But I also count on whoever is sitting in that office of the president of that university that he's going to speak out against it. People may have a First Amendment right to exercise their ugly thoughts. We all, and our leaders especially, have a First Amendment duty to express their own opinions that that's not acceptable. First
0: Amendment duty, yeah. First Amendment duty. Yeah, That's correct because if you don't, silence can be interpreted as complicit.
2: This is a really important point. And, and unfortunately, sometimes the language of rights obscures the language of responsibilities, civic duty. Our civic duty to one another is to stand with each other. Right. Coloradans don't accept hate. And that's an important norm and value that I absolutely am going to be focused on public education. And I have had that experience that Scott – talked about from law enforcement, police chiefs all across the state, people are deeply motivated to show who we really are. And some of the responses to episodes of hate have been deeply motivating. After that Christchurch attack, we had an incredibly powerful vigil
0: at the mosque saying we stand together. And that's who we are as Coloradans. I remember after the the last national presidential election, there were comments floating around like, aha, we don't have to be uh, politically correct anymore.
3: I don't accept this idea of political correctness. I know that many listeners might. But for me, I don't think appealing to our better angels is some sort of negative thing. The fact that um, we are more respectful, more inclusive, these are positive things that are going on. And when people don't adhere to those beliefs, they don't have my values, and I don't think they have the values of Colorado.
0: Now, uh, uh, is the coalition speaking to churches, for example— because we know the uh, Temple Emmanuel in Pueblo now has its infrared system there and some parishioners with concealed weapons permits and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing churches do this. So are you guys speaking to churches about, on one hand, we've got to change behavior and maybe uh, spirituality can help with that. But on the yeah. other hand, you've got to keep yourself safe.
3: What we've recognized for a long time at the Anti-Defamation League, we've been working with synagogues and Jewish temples on being uh, on really situational awareness and how to improve the security of their institutions in ways that they can still be open and welcoming, as you want all faith based institutions to be, but to actually take into consideration security concerns.
0: If you had one thing, one viewpoint, one direction you wanted to leave with listeners who are just everyday people on what they could do to help combat hate or better manage themselves, what would it be? Be aware of how you use your language. Your
2: last point, and Scott's talked about this, with respect to how people use their language, it has an impact. It matters. And so be aware, be sensitive about what you say, when you say it, to who you say it. If we can all be our best authentic selves, be called to, again, our better angels by this moment, we're going to take this moment of challenge and turn it into opportunity. Scott, you have the last word.
3: I don't think I could say it any better than the attorney general, and it doesn't surprise me. What
0: a way to skip out on it. (laughs) (laughs) Gentleman Scott Levin from the Anti-Defamation League. See, I've learned to pronounce that word, all right? And Attorney General Phil Weiser, thank both of you for sharing the insights on the direction of the coalition, what people can do to help us. And so we can try to approach this uh, in a very strong fashion so that Colorado doesn't become known like some other states and the stuff that they do there. Thank you, Adam, for your leadership. Thank you. Happy Martin Luther King weekend to both of you.
3: And to you. And remember, let's keep Colorado no place for hate.
1: Let nothing slow you up. Move on with dignity and honor and respectability. I realize that it will cause a restless night sometimes. It might cause losing a job. It will cause suffering and sacrifice. It might even cause physical death for some. But if physical death is the price that some must pay to free their children from a permanent life of psychological death, then nothing can be more Christian.
0: We sincerely thank Attorney General Phil Weiser and Scott Levin, the Executive Director of the Anti-Defamation League, for being our guest for this special edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Stay in your game. And many, many thanks to you for sharing a few moments of your special weekend with us.
1: For all those whose cares have been
0: our concern, the work goes on, the cause endures, the hope still lives, and the dream shall never die.